popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago. It's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill-tempered. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. It feels like forever since the Chicago Bears played a football game. Thursday Nighters will do that. They, they extend yes. the week a bit. I think I've watched the Bucks game three times over. Yes, it does. Uh, it, it, it does feel like I have seen every play in that game multiple times, which is accurate and is a good thing. So we can have it all broken down for you uh, as accurately as possible. This is why they only play one game a week. Although these <laughs> days, sometimes they play games on Tuesdays. I enjoy Tuesday night football. I won't lie. I don't think my wife is happy that there's Tuesday night football. But I, for one, love Tuesday night football. I was not complaining that there was a game on Tuesday. However, I am going to complain there's not a game tonight as we record this on Thursday. True. All you people, all you people, I'm talking to you, that bitch and moan <laughs> every Thursday about the quality. Of, We'd be better off if there wasn't a Thursday game. Okay. Enjoy those crappy town halls tonight. Enjoy that. If you want your football fix, I recommend this. Uh, Arch Manning, who I believe is the nephew of Peyton Manning. I think he's Cooper's son. Cooper's son, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe ESPN is televising one of his games tonight. Five-star high school quarterback, right? I'll be watching that, okay? Uh, Thursday Night Football. You keep complaining about your Thursday games. I'm going to keep enjoying them. I don't care who's playing. It's NFL football, okay? We have an NFL game to break down here. Bears, Panthers. I have strong feelings about this game, Adam Johns. I saw your column. Very strong feelings. We're going to we're gonna break down or make the predictions that we normally do. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You can read the column that Johns just referenced at NBCSportsChicago.com. All of John's stuff is up on The Athletic. TheAthletic.com, The Athletic app. It's a great app. You should have it downloaded, and you should be subscribed. If you haven't done that yet, it's TheAthletic.com slash Hogan Johns. That's the best spot you can go to get your subscription $1 per month for the next 12 months. You can't get a better deal than that, so... Check it out right now there. And please rate and review the podcast. Longtime listeners, we thank you for doing that and spreading the word to all our newer listeners, which we're glad you're on board. Okay, Uh, some news to get to. I don't know how serious the news is, but it's it's definitely, you know, sort of a microcosm of really what's going on in the NFL right now. But couldn't help but notice yesterday when I went out to the practice field at House Hall, Johnsy. Donovan Raiola's coaching the offensive line. Juan Castillo, nowhere to be found on the practice field. Uh, And my colleague, J.J. Stankovitz, made note, and I didn't notice this, but when we had our Zoom session with Juan Castillo on Tuesday, he was at home. He was at home. So you didn't see Juan Castillo doing a sit-ups, because that's usually the time we would see him doing a sit-ups. 
Yeah, he's during, got during his whole. He's got his he's routine. Got his, yes, uh, he is in quarantine and will not make the trip to Charlotte. And, and honestly, I hope he's doing well. Uh, he, so the the deal is, he was in contact with s- someone close to him, tested positive for COVID nineteen as of yesterday, which would have been Wednesday when we talked to Matt Nagy. Juan Castillo had not tested positive himself. This is all precautionary. Of course, there's like a three to five day incubation period where you can potentially test positive. And the last thing they need is him, uh, you know, around the building exposed to to players. And so right now he's limited to Zoom meetings and all the on-field coaching this week will go to assistant offensive line coach Donovan Raiola. Castillo self-reported himself, which is what you're supposed to do. Uh, I know in this time it's it's delicate in terms of who has it and who doesn't. And so kudos to, to Juan Castillo for taking the right steps to making sure this doesn't become a serious matter for the Bears. Uh, from a football standpoint, it is going to be interesting to watch because it's not like, well, the offensive line isn't coming off its best game against the Bucks, and they lost one of their best players this past week too. So what do you do? If you're the assistant offensive line coach, you got to figure out who's starting at left guard. Uh, I know Juan Castillo is on Zooms. I know you can record practices. I know there's always guys out there with iPads shooting practices and whatnot. But the, the hands-on aspect, I would think, would be very important this week when you're trying to figure out who's starting at left guard. Hands-on what? You know what I mean. Hands-on <laughs> aspect. <laughs> Easy. Easy. Uh, sorry. Uh, although I feel like there's a, a Chris Emma soundbite you could play right now. <laughs> there, there, there most definitely is. Chris, uh, Matt Nagy's always been kind of the past half full kind of guy. <laughs> You're not listening, Chris. Uh, there's our guy, Juan. So without James Daniels, I don't know. It, it would seem to be important to need the offensive line coach out there when you're Starting left guard is on injured reserve, and James Daniels is no longer there to improve and, and help Cody Whitehair. So we'll see what happens with Alex Bars or, or Rashad Coward. You know, though, uh, it, Donovan Raiola knows a little thing about offensive line. He did play at Wisconsin back when I was there a long time ago, Johnsy. He was the, I believe he was the starting center. Are you trying to age yourself? Yeah, even a little bit. 40. Donovan Raiola is. Yeah. And we were at Wisconsin at the same time. So I'm not a math major, but somewhere somewhere in there I, I am <laughs> there's some crossover. There there's there's somewhere close to, to forty. I was a math major. I wasn't actually, but Donovan Raiola is thirty seven. He he uh played at Wisconsin, but he took a while to get into coaching. Of course he was he was in the league for a while, just sort of bounced around from team to team to team to team. Uh, I even had a cup of coffee with the Bears at one point in his career. And then he got into coaching back in Hawaii, where he's from, coaching offensive line, ended up at Notre Dame, where uh, I believe he coached Alex Bars for a little bit. And Alex Bars, of course, we're thinking is going to be the left guard this week, unless there's some type of surprise. Uh, and this is really his first big coaching opportunity. Obviously, he's the Bears' assistant offensive line coach and then getting this chance to kind of be bumped up this week to be on the field. I, I don't think this is necessarily a huge deal, but it's also not ideal uh, given that I think right now this is the biggest weakness on the team and the biggest uh, concern probably 
it, not only in this game, but going forward. Adam, it, it is notable, too, that they kept him on staff. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was here with Harry Heastad. Yep. Was he not? So, okay. Yes. So, I'm not making this up. So, he, he has earned the confidence uh, of Matt Nagy, and maybe he is a, a future head offensive line coach in, in the future. You know how things work with these guys, especially if one offensive line is playing well, but this one is not. So, it's just... Uh, it's not an ideal development for at least the Bears offense, specifically specifically this line going into this game. Now that said, I don't think the I know we'll get to this later, but the Panthers aren't exactly the Bucks or the Colts. Also accurate. Um, before we turn our attention completely to the Panthers, we do need to talk about Le'Veon Bell. I guess it's been a big enough story this week. As of recording time here, Le'Veon Bell has not signed uh there is a report though that his three finalists are the bills the chiefs and who was the third one the dolphins which the is dolphins. clearly uh a tax move <laughs> Could, yes you're not uh, going I, there to win right now do you know who the, the taxes and the, you know who, the who the but do you know who the jets next three opponents are those three those three teams <laughs> Who knows what's going on with Le'Veon Bell? I don't think he's coming to the Bears. I don't think it's... If you've been following the type of character, um, the type of acquisitions the Bears have made over the years, this doesn't really fit that mold to me. And I also... I, 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 I can also see the perspective, though, that, all right, but you know, you're getting them for cheap. Does it really hurt anything? You know, is he really going to come in, destroy the locker room or anything like that? I don't necessarily think that. Um, I just don't think that the Bears problems in the running game right now. I don't think David Montgomery is a problem at all. So I just I don't think it's a risk that's worth taking, even if it's and Le'Veon cheap. Bell hasn't been Le'Veon Bell since what, 2017, since before he sat out the full season with his contract dispute with the Steelers. So yeah. I know he's kind of a big name and, and you're right. I don't think he would be any sort of problem in, in the Bears locker room. He's definitely worth a phone call. And that, that phone call, we should note, is to an agent that the Bears are familiar with dealing with. He's got the same agent as Matt Forte and Jordan Howard, so I don't know how, how long that, that phone call would go. But um, obviously the Bills, they're a winning team. Obviously the Chiefs are like the winningest team right now in football. So if there's other options out there and he wants to, to join a winner and, and have a shot – at you know that Super Bowl, I, I would think that at least right now, five weeks into the season, the Chiefs, the Bills, definitely not the Dolphins, but those first two teams are better options for Le'Veon Bell if the money is right. Well, I hope he doesn't go to Buffalo because that would make my uh, fantasy running back situation even worse than it already is, Johns. <sighs> Can we go one podcast without talking about your fantasy team? I don't think I brought it up all season. No shaking did. my head. So, shaking my head here. I, I kind of like to bring it up to just troll people because I know nobody cares. No, you just it. bring it up to, to troll me. That Well, <laughs> that's why I bring most things up, sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Probably by the by the time people listen to this, there's a good chance Bell's probably already signed somewhere. I think it's very unlikely that that's in Chicago. And I don't think it's that big of a deal. No, no. Again, he hasn't been the same player since 2017. It's all about fit, though. And like... I, I I think the worst case scenario, uh, probably for us to having have to continue to track and follow this story all season would be if he lands in Kansas City. 
Because I actually think Kansas City would be a pretty good fit for him. Where uh, Andy Reid and that whole offense, because they're the Chiefs and they have a really, really, really good offense, uh, they'd probably find a way to utilize him and he'd be highly motivated and there wouldn't be much of an issue. I just, if he comes to Chicago, I don't, I think at best it's a split backfield with David Montgomery. Yeah. Well, I know what you're saying about fit, but it's also on these coaches to figure out how these guys fit in a sense. And you're right with the Chiefs. And the way they run their screen game with their running backs, Le'Veon Bell would be exceptional in that, I think, just the, with the patience he has and the pass-catching talents that he has. Now the Bears, they're not that good at the old screen game, even though Matt Nagy's from that Andy retreat. They just don't run it the same way because they don't have the, the offensive linemen that the Chiefs have. Well, and that's the thing. Like I, I, I'm sure our listeners are kind of screaming at home right now. Why, If the Chiefs can do it, why can't the Bears do it with Le'Veon Bell? Well, I don't know what to tell you anymore, man. Like They're not Andy Reid and the Chiefs. They don't have Patrick Mahomes. Like I don't know how many times we have to go over this. Like fair, fair point. <laughs> it, it, it's a it's a fair question. It is a fair question, but it's also a fair answer. They're just realistically, it's not the same team. And so, uh, if Le'Veon Bell wants to come to Chicago and try to figure all that out, I'd probably, if I were him, go to Kansas City where it's already figured out. Yeah, and go try to win a Super Bowl. Not saying the Bears don't have a run in them now. It's already having kind of a special season at four one, but. Chiefs, Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that seems to make more sense. I just, I, it's almost like the Bears have enough to figure out right now. I feel, I feel like for them, adding another piece like Le'Veon Bell almost creates another problem that you need to figure out rather than a solution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You're, you're really, trying to I figure know, out how to win with Nick Foles. I know he should be the solution, but again, I don't think David Montgomery's the problem. So adding another piece that just kind of crowds the backfield even more, uh, which maybe is a good transition to Mike Davis. Like, yeah, you know, it's again, it's some players in different situations, they get their opportunities, they it just works better. And, you know, this isn't a backfield I'd want to join, I guess is my point. Um, all right, well, should we get to Mike Davis? Should we get to the Panthers and how the hell they're 3-2 and two and how the hell they've won three games in a row? without Christian McCaffrey. For more on the Carolina Panthers, let's bring in Joe Person, who covers the Panthers for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at Joseph Person, and you should be this week as the Bears get set to go to Charlotte. And Joe, there's going to be fans at this game. Catch me up. I can't keep track of who's got fans, who doesn't. Does it make a difference? Tell us what's going on. Yeah, so Panthers opened it up in October. Uh, the governor here did 7% capacity, for which for the Panthers translates to 5,240 people. Did not make a difference at all. It's the Cardinals two weeks ago. Tyler Murray had no trouble calling signals and definitely no real home field advantage for the Panthers. So just, just to follow up quickly on that, Joe, does that mean they can't have the, the simulated crowd noise? They have to rely on those... 4,000 people to, to get really going? No, I think they're able to still use it at that set decibel level, which is not all that loud. Yeah, I think that's what the rule is. They, they, they're trying to still keep it equal for all teams, whether you can have fa- have uh, fans or not. But anyway, we'll see what kind of impact that has. This will be the first game that the Bears will have fans in any of their games, road or home. But uh, so I guess that's just a little wrinkle in this game. But more importantly, 
Give us an idea of what's going right for the Panthers right now, winning three straight games without Christian McCaffrey. Our old friend Mike Davis running all over the place, seemingly taking advantage of the opportunity he really didn't get in Chicago last year. But the coaching seems to be working, those changes. Joe Brady's making a difference, Matt Rule. Why is it that the Panthers are exceeding expectations right now? You mentioned Joe Brady. I think that's where it starts with him and Teddy Bridgewater. And, you know, remember those two guys were together in, in New Orleans, both kind of bit players uh, at Sean Payton team. Brady was a low level offensive quality control type guy. Bridgewater freezes back up. And as such, when, when the saints traded for, for uh, Bridgewater, it was right before the 2018 season, Payton was preparing breeze for week one. And those two just got real close, and I think Joe Brady knew that if when he got an NFL offense coordinator job, he had an idea who he wanted to run this offense. And then, yeah, Mike Davis kept this offense afloat without McCaffrey. He's running hard. He catches everything thrown to him. He likes to say he runs pissed off, and uh, he did say he will be – this week I, I can't uh imagine why <laughs> remember that storyline adam like they caught him purposely in order to get a compensatory pick remember that yeah like a, a rare comp pick for the bears mike davis <laughs> see ya we want the comp pick you're out of here and now he gets his revenge game this is this is great yeah yeah it's and, and i uh, it was after the Falcons game last week. He he brought up this idea of running pissed off. Yesterday on the Zoom, I said, are you pissed off at the Bears? He said, yeah, I mean, I think anybody in my situation would be. He's, you know, he said, and I think I mentioned the comp pick, and he said, you know, I, I, it sounded like he never got a real great explanation. But obviously the Bears had a couple young running backs they liked, and and, and frankly, the Panthers last year, Ron Rivera and his staff kind of forgot of acquiring him, too. It wasn't until Matt Rule and Joe Brady came in that Mike Davis really got his chance. Yeah, I want to ask you about Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, just the, the numbers. I don't know how surprised you are, Joe. Like, nearly 300 yards passing per game, a passer rating of, what, 101.9, a QBR of 77.2, He's moving the ball. You know, he's completing nearly 75% of his passes. Does any of this surprise you? This guy hasn't started since the Vikings. No, not to this level. And the completion percentage, and that has always been Bridgewater's game, right? I mean, he doesn't have a huge arm. He's not flinging it down the field, you know, like a Herbert, for example, or Cam Newton here. But, yeah, he's just on time with his underneath throws. He's getting the ball out quickly. He's putting it, for the most part, right where it needs to be. And you kind of blink and you look up, and he's at 260 yards in the first half, like the quietest 260 yards I think anyone's ever seen. But, um, you know, it, it, it it's interesting. He doesn't run the ball much, but uh, Panthers are protecting him. He's, he hadn't been sacked in two weeks. It's really, I think, exactly what Joe Brady had. Well, let's talk about this matchup a little bit because, um, you know, obviously the Bears' offense isn't all that frightening, but their defense is really good. And uh, I don't know if this is accurate or not. You tell me. It seems like this is is the, probably the Panthers' toughest matchup from from that standpoint so far this season. So all the things we talked about, it's going great. Teddy Bridgewater, Mike Davis. 
Um, but but how do you think this is going to work out this week against the Bears defense, at least in that side of the ball, that matchup? Do you expect it to maybe be a little bit of a reality check with everything that's been, been going so great the last few weeks? It does feel like the Panthers are kind of due for a bit of a correction. And uh, the Bears, you know, they, they played Tampa Bay and, and Vegas the first two weeks of the season. This three-game winning streak has been against teams that yeah, I thought they should win all three games. But uh, to, to your point about the, the Bears' defense, yeah, you kind of feel like the Panthers are going to have a little harder time running the football this week. And so does that put them kind of behind the sticks? I haven't made my prediction yet for the I'm leaning toward the Bears on this one. Not for any great – and Panthers are banged up a little bit too. They were very healthy, with the exception of McCaffrey. They've been very healthy the last three weeks, but this week they're starting to, starting to take some injuries. How about the, the, the Nick Foles offense against the Panthers defense? At least – when I look at the Panthers statistically, they're, they're allowing 5.4 yards per carry. The Bears have not run the ball well whatsoever. You know, I, I think one of the questions we're going to get to later in this podcast is who has more rushing yards, David Montgomery or Mike Davis? How, how do you see the Panthers' defense maybe holding up with what the Bears maybe are trying to build right now with Nick Foles and David Montgomery, Allen Robinson and company? Right. Well, I still feel like the defense is the Achilles heel. The secondary has been kind of doing it a little bit with smoke mirrors because, you know, they bring in Rasul Douglas, Dante Jackson, their other corner. Is, you know, he's he's been banged up all year. This, as I said, I, I think Foles may be able to do something against the secondary. I think the Bears running game, maybe they don't go wild, but I think they probably uh, have some success in the run as well. Well, Joe, we appreciate the time. We appreciate the insight. Uh, should be interesting how it all plays out. On Sunday, uh, again, our listeners should be following you on Twitter at Joseph Person to get the uh, Panther side of things this week, and they, of course read you on the Athletic. Thanks so much, Joe. Appreciate it, guys. Adam, that was some great stuff from Joe, and I just want to react to a, a couple of things that he said. I, I just love the idea of the the Mike Davis like re- revenge game, and like you're smiling right now. Like it does make me smirk <laughs> as well because this guy. Like he barely played last year, and and here he is filling in for arguably the best running back in football right now, and he's playing well. His team's on a three-game winning streak. You know, I, I get this; it's a matter of opportunity in coaching, but you know, maybe it is <laughs> motivation here. You know, if he really is running pissed off, I'm really interested to see him like run into Roquan Smith for the first time on Sunday. <laughs> Wasn't it the comp pick that went to Jacksonville for Nick Foles? Foles, yeah. It was all part of the formula. Somewhere in there. Somehow, cutting Mike Davis led to Nick Foles, okay? Um, last year was such a weird year. They, they weren't running the football. They couldn't run the football. They had multiple running backs. Mike Davis was the third guy. He knew when he signed in Chicago, he was the third guy. I remember thinking at the time, like it was such a no-brainer. To cut him yeah. at that point in the season to make sure you got an extra draft pick. You weren't going to lose anything. But at the same time, it really, I say that with absolutely zero disrespect to Mike Davis because Mike Davis did absolutely nothing wrong. No. He no. just never got an opportunity. 
and it was clear that he wasn't going to get an opportunity. So the smart thing to do was to cut him to get an extra draft pick. The business move, right? Yeah. That was it's running your franchise responsibly. Didn't you call it the responsible move to make there? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah so it's it's not Mike Davis's fault that he couldn't run. You know, for the Bears' offense last year, nobody could run. You know, for the Bears' offense last year, it just wasn't run well. So, but yeah, I, I want to see how pissed off he really gets in, in this game. <laughs> Here, here's the funny thing: and it happens every week on Sundays and on uh, Bears Twitter. People getting upset about I don't know Kevin Pierre Lewis racking up tackles in Washington or Dontrell Inman who was on the team for five seconds catching a touchdown pass. Or Nick Quickowski, Nick Quickowski thing in. Vegas is actually that's an interesting conversation. That's a conversation I'm willing to have, you know, because that was an actual debate between him and Danny Trevathan. Um, but this Mike Davis thing, it it was such a no brainer to cut him last year, and it's not as Joe mentioned. It's not like he was really getting his opportunity once he went to Carolina. I looked this up earlier today. Even in that uh, the loss to Tampa earlier this season, I think he got one carry. That was the game Christian McCaffrey got hurt in. So, you know, he just is kind of in the right place at the right time. He's not a bad player at all. And now he happens to be the lead back for a few weeks on a team. And I think we're going to get to this as we break down the game a little bit more. This is a team right now that's sort of methodical in nature. And they don't have a great defense. So they're doing a lot of clock management type stuff to hold on to the football and that involves running the football. And Mike Davis, we talk about fit all the time we've been talking about in this podcast. It's just sort of a good fit right now, and that's why he's been so productive. Key two words there, right now. It's mm-hmm. a long season. You know Christian McCaffrey is going, going to come back. This is a, a good storyline for week six of a long football season, especially when you have his former team coming into town. Which is a good transition as we start to break down this game. It's that time. Three big questions for this matchup against the Panthers. I'll do you the honors since you wrote these. Yeah, it's my turn, I think. I think Fishman did them last week, so it's, it's me. What does Khalil Mack, we all saw what he did against the Buccaneers. What does Khalil Mack do for an encore against steady Teddy Bridgewater? Well... I think it would be nuts for the Panthers uh, to leave their right tackle in one-on-one situations as much as the Bucks did. However, I do think that this was finally that time where you looked at the tape and you go, I mean, what option did the Bucks really have? Um, you know, I think if they had, with Robert Quinn on the field, an increasingly higher amount of snaps then you're going to leave somebody else one-on-one. So it's sort of pick your poison, which was the whole point of this when the when Ryan Pace constructed this in the offseason and spent this money on Robert Quinn. It's very encouraging encouraging to see Akeem Hicks play at the same level. So look, I, whatever the stats say at the end of the day, I, I was really encouraged with just how Khalil Mack looked. He looked healthy. He looked explosive. And so I will be very surprised... We may be talking after the game, ah, Mac only had one sack. I think he gets at least one sack, maybe more. I will be surprised, though, if we're talking about it being one of those games where we're just like, where was 52? I didn't see him. 
I didn't notice them. That would surprise me. Well, I think Quinn or Hicks get on the board this game as well. They, they felt close, or, or Quinn has felt close uh, the past couple weeks. I think he's playing better than many people realize. So it's just a matter of time before he gets home. Okay, moving on, number two. Going back to our Mike Davis conversation. I love this conversation. Who will have more rushing yards on Sunday, David Montgomery or Mike Davis? I'm struggling with this one. I looked at this question for a while before we started the podcast. I'm going to say David Montgomery. And it's sort of more all-encompassing with my general prediction, which I've hinted at a few times already. But remember that big... uh, Remember that story I teased? It wasn't a big story. It was our film review we do every week. But what I teased on Tuesday, I don't know if you ended up reading it. Hopefully our listeners went and checked it out. But I teased a play that should have been a big play. And it should have been a 52-yard touchdown run for David Montgomery against the Bucks. So it was the snap right after Nick Foles missed Mooney downfield. Uh, the very next play, they're at the 40, their own 48-yard line. And it was a run to the right, which they had three tight ends. They had plenty of blockers. They successfully created a wedge. And left guard James Daniels was pulling to the right, and he had a one-on-one block with a much, much smaller cornerback. And if that block is made, it is David Montgomery and the safety for between him and the end zone. Okay? But James Daniels was laying on the ground. And why was he laying on the ground? Because... The first step out of his stance when the ball was snapped, Cody Whitehair, the center, stepped on James Daniels' foot. It disrupted the timing, and it caused Montgomery to clip Daniels from behind. The whole play was disrupted. And these are the exact details that Matt Nagy's talking about. So it's a long way of saying I'm expecting two things to happen in this game. On the offensive side, I do think some of the details are cleaned up, especially because I don't think the Panthers' defense is that good. And on the other side of the ball, I think the defense, the Bears' defense, tackles better than they have, and especially did against the Bucs. And so I think all of that equates to what is essentially a bold prediction here. If you're going to pick David Montgomery based on how things have been going, but I do think Montgomery ends up with more rushing yards. Well, you can complain about the Bears' rushing defense because it's middle of the pack, has not been good. But I think it has the potential to get better. Like Danny Trevathan looked better against the Bucks than in any of the previous four games. Looked if more- Roquan Smith makes those two TFLs in the backfield, those two plays contributed to a lot of the Bucks' rushing yards in that game. Yeah, so you could rip Roquan Smith for missing those tackles, but at the same time, he shot the right gaps, he was in the right place. Now, that's a glass-half-full outlook on that play because you need your linebacker to make those tackles, but take it for what it is. So I, I feel like that there, there's there's signs of that they're trending in the right direction, at least defensively and stopping the run for the Bears. Now, the, the, the Panthers, they got a worse rushing defense than the Bears. So give me David Montgomery in this one. Number three. Adam, where will we see the signs of improvement from Nick Foles this week on the road? Uh, you know, I didn't think Nick Foles played that poorly. You know, he he 
when I graded out the game, I mean, the two plays that really brought his overall grade down were that he, he missed Allen Robinson on that wide-open, easy toss in front of him on third down, and then he missed Darnell Mooney, which at first I wasn't even completely sure was his fault, but John Filippo did say that Mooney ran a great route and the ball just wasn't where it was supposed to be. There was also some pressure on that play. So... I guess this isn't a very direct answer, but I just think the signs of improvement actually is more of a more in the pairing of Nick Foles and Matt Nagy. I think that there's just going to be more rhythm overall with the offense because those two are going to take that extra time that they had last weekend, the extra time after what had really been a crazy week, week and a half or so, uh, two and a half weeks maybe of. No, it really was. It was, yeah, it was basically like a week and a half. They played three games. You had a quarterback change. A lot happened there. And in almost the same amount of time, they've had all this time to prepare for the Panthers. So I just think there's going to be more rhythm in the offense. That's where we're going to see the improvement from Nick Foles. And again, the Panthers' defense is not that good. It's not the Bucks. It's not the Colts. So there should be, this is a good get-right game for Nick Foles and Matt Nagy. And I, I wrote about this. On the athletic columns should be up right now as I talk. I think that moment that Matt Nagy and Nick Foles had late against the Buccaneers, where he's telling his coach, where the quarterback is telling his coach what he wants to do, where he's the one who's animated and telling him that he wants to hurry things up. I think that moment is going to, I don't want to say it's groundbreaking, but like something was broken through in their communication level where there's more trust afforded to. Nick Foles by Matt Nagy. Some some trust that just wasn't there or ever was going to be there for Mitch Trubisky. All right, Adam, this is where we uh, field questions from our listeners. So I, I got two. One's intended for me because I'm going to plug my book for a second here. And uh, this one, but let's start with this big picture question because I, I like it a lot, actually. Hang on. I got to go check my mail to see if my book arrived. You can stay seated. Oh, <laughs> oh it's still not here. Yeah, I'll send you one. I'll send you one. <laughs> All right. I, I like this question. It, it stood out to me amongst the, the 60 that were sent over, over Twitter. It, it's a big-picture question, and this is from Nick on Twitter. Please give Pace a letter grade post the 2018 season. Whew. That's hard. <laughs> that's, a, that's kind of a big-time question to do on the spot. After the 2018 season, so essentially last off season. Basically, the last two off seasons. I don't know. See, right now, I want to say C plus B minus range, because the look last year was not a good year, but here the Bears are at four and one. Just beat Tom Brady in national television. You have your rookie cornerback playing well. You're starting to see your defensive line become the defensive line that you are expecting. It to be that you're paying it to be, and the change of quarterback has happened. I, I know a lot of people always associate pace with Trubisky, like, but you have to also relate Foles to him. Like, I don't think people connect the dots there enough, just in terms of you know pace not picking up the fifth year option, pace listening to Nagy, listening to Laser, listening to DiFilippo, and parting with a rare comp pick. The Mike Davis move. 
to go get a quarterback from the Jaguars in Nick Foles. So let's see this play out. Maybe C plus B minus range. If this continues to play out the way it has so far after five games, could be looking at a, a B, a good solid B, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because a lot of what went wrong last year wasn't necessarily because of decisions that were made in the offseason. Like, I, it, it, it had more to do with decisions that were made the year or two prior, you know, like going back to the Trubisky draft pick or not having draft picks because you traded for Khalil Mack, who didn't have his best season. But that's still, like, not really something you put on pace because the Mack trade was still really good. Um, they're not getting much out of the 2019 draft. You basically just have David Montgomery. Uh, I mean, two of those draft picks are already gone, Kareth White and Steven Denmark, but they were seventh-round picks. Riley Ridley, inactive most weeks. Duke Shelley plays, but doesn't do a whole lot. But you didn't have a lot of picks, and I think you look at this draft so far and you feel pretty good about Jalen Johnson and Darnell Mooney and you know hopefully Cole Komet comes around. Oh, that's been slow. I think you're in the right spot, B-, C+. Not a ton to complain about. I think a lot of the issues last year had to do with players that were, you know, decisions that were made before 2018. Yeah. I I guess one final thought on this is Ryan Pace deserves tons of criticism for the quarterbacking of of this team, right? That's the end-all, be-all for GMs in the NFL. But I'll say this. If you love what the Bears defense did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you love what they have across the board on defense. That defense, which is top five in third downs, top top one in red zone, uh, top two in opponent pass rating, one of the best defenses in the league again. Ryan Pace built that defense. That's the facts. All right. Book question for me. This is from Chris Odom on Twitter. My question is about your book, Adam which I've loved so far. Very, very nice of you, Chris. Which of the 50 chapters is your personal favorite, and were there any amazing stories that were almost included but were cut at the last second? So if you haven't heard, I got this book out called The Bears uh, Big 50. It's it's the men and moments that have made the team. I focused uh, a lot on some of the the Bears of the 2000s, the Jay Cutlers, the Brian Urlachers, the Lance Briggses, they, there's a chapter on the who the, they are who they thought they were game and whatnot. Devin Hester, big chapter on Devin Hester. Um, I included every good story that I got from anybody in this book. Um, I guess the, the best way to answer this, this question is some of my favorite chapters to write were on Jay Cutler. It, it was on Olin Krutz. I thought there's some great anecdotes about Olin Krutz in there. Um, you could check out the Charles Tillman chapter. It's actually available to read on The Athletic right now. Uh, the Devin Esther chapter, I thought, were, was full of good anecdotes and whatnot. They are who they thought they were that game as well. And then, like, uh, the Walter Payton chapter. Uh, I sat down with a, a couple guys who know him really well. One was Jared Payton. We shared a cheeseburger together and talked about his dad. So check out that conversation. And I spent... I had another cheeseburger, get this, with Rick Tellender, the longtime Sun-Times columnist who actually befriended Walter uh, by the time his career had ended. So um, check it out if you haven't. It's uh, available on Amazon. It's at Barnes & Noble, anywhere you can find a book. So check it out. Thanks a lot. 
well, I'm looking forward to reading it. And um, I'm, a lot of those... Sounds like a book kind of geared to our generation a little bit. A lot of those names and stories you just mentioned. So I'm excited to read it. Um, also excited to make our predictions in this game. Let's do that now, and we'll get to uh, the rest of our NFL predictions. So we'll start here. Old predictions. I can start. What would be... I'm going to ask for a little bit of help, though. Is... I'm going to say 75 yards. I'm going to say the Bears hold Mike Davis under 75 yards. Is that bold enough? yards because he, he gets out of the backfield a bit for some passes. Rushing, or just talking? No, rushing. Okay. I mean, the guy, well, let's say then 100 total yards. Okay. 100 okay. total yards. I, I think he's going to be a focus uh, this week. As much as it's going to be a revenge game for him, I think the Bears focus on defense, is tackling, better and uh, I just, he's going to get some yards because this is what the Panthers do. And, you know, it's a lot of it's ball control, methodical nature. The Bears are going to bend a little bit, but I don't think they're going to break a ton. So uh, there's going to be some yards for Mike Davis. I do think they keep him under 100 total yards. How about this for a bold prediction? The Bears were, will score in the third quarter. Oh, not, not just a field goal, a touchdown in the third quarter. That is bold. They have not found the scoreboard, found the end zone, kicked the field goal. Nothing so far. A big zero, big fat zero so far in the third quarter. That changes in Charlotte. Got it. Predictions. 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 All right. I've been hinting at this. I think this is a game the Bears win comfortably. I think it's a game they should win comfortably. The Panthers, fun story here. I mean, they're in full teardown rebuild mode. It's not just what their actions were. Their owner basically said that. And he said it wasn't going to be something that happened quickly. Uh, David Tepper's trying to do things the right way there. He's building a massive new facility out in South Carolina. Practice facility that's going to be incredible. Uh, I think he made a great hire with Matt Rule. I think Matt Rule made a great hire in bringing Joe Brady and pairing him with Teddy Bridgewater. A lot of moves that made sense. They have eight starters on offense, eight new starters on defense, excuse me. Uh, and you heard Joe mention the loss of Quan Short this week, too. So I really think that so far this season, to get to three and two, to win these last three games, this is a team that has squeezed as much out of the lemon as possible to, to get to the point where they are right now. Uh, and I also think that they have not played a team or a defense more specifically as good as what they're facing Sunday since they played the Bucks, And the Bucks beat them 31-17. to Pretty convincingly. They were up 21-0 in that game, too, the Bucks were. So I think this is a game where the Bears not necessarily break out offensively, but look better, get more of a rhythm, play with a lead, don't fall behind, and their defense bends a little, but they fixed some of their tackling issues too. I have the Bears winning this game, Johns, 27-13, to 13, and I have no idea why the Panthers are even favored. I think that is a result of people just sort of reacting. They're giving the Panthers credit for beating three bad teams while giving the Bears criticism for beating the three 
you know, three bad teams. You know what I mean? Like it's all based yeah. on preseason expectations. Yeah. And so the Panthers are far exceeding their expectations, and I think they're just getting too much credit where the Bears aren't getting enough credit. And maybe that sounds biased, but I also think it's the reality that the Bears are going to go on that football field Sunday with much more talent and a much more advantageous position to win a football game. And I think they take care of business and win comfortably like they should. Well, it's also the numbers that Teddy Bridgewater has put up, right? Again, we went through them earlier in the show. They are impressive. They are surprising. Let's be honest. He's playing really, really good football right now. But I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be a comfortable win, but a lot of these matchups favor the Bears. Like, even the running game should get going. Like, David Montgomery should average... More than four yards per carry. I'm not saying he's going to average over five, like the the Panthers are giving up because they are the Bears. But he can get over four. He could definitely get over four. Um, nothing is comfortable for the Bears. It seems uh, it's just the it's just how they are. Um, but they are the better team. I think the defense looks overwhelming at times. Uh, getting just getting after Teddy Bridgewater, um, punishing Mike Davis a bit too. So I'm going to say 24. Like 18. Like Nick Foles should have a good day. Maybe he throws a couple touchdown passes. Um, but the Panthers hang in there. It's interesting at some points. I don't know how they get to 18. Maybe there's a missed extra point here or there. But 24-18 visitors in Charlotte. I forget. Did you pick the Bucks to beat the Bears? No, you went. we both went Bucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we both had no, went Bucks. Had no feel for that game. Had no yeah. feel for that game, especially you know after the Indianapolis debacle for, for Foles. We'll see. We've been okay with our picks. I think you're technically three and two because you had the Colts winning or the Bears beating the Colts. But I think for the most part, we've been on the pulse of these games. So I don't know. I'll be very surprised if the Bears lose, and I do not understand why they opened up as three point dogs. Uh, that's it's down, down to one to, now. Yeah, down, down one to and a half. one and a half. But still, I think the uh, I think the Bears should and will win. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe getting a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan Johns polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Roan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, and works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Roan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. All right, Johns, let's go around the NFL and pick some games, which we didn't do last week because of the weird schedule that it was. So uh, it was our best week we've ever had picking games. <laughs> Agreed. Feel good about it. Uh, we start in the NFC North, noon, central, on Fox, opposite the Bears game. Meh, 
probably not too heartbroken over missing this one. Detroit, the Lions coming off a bye week. They go to Jacksonville. They face the Jaguars. The Lions are three-point favorites on the road. Now, how about that? Jaguars must really stink again. So much for that Minshew mania. Um, give me the Lions covering here. You know, I think the Jaguars, they're about to, you know, hit that full-on tank for, you know, Trevor. I don't wish I don't wish that on Trevor Lawrence, by the no, way. No, no, but it just seems in, inevitable, even though there's you know other awful teams around the league right now. But give me the Lions in this one. I I'm not sure why. You know, maybe Matthew Stafford has a better game down there in Florida. But uh, yeah, Lions covering that three. I agree with you. I like the Lions. Uh, uh, you know, Stafford looked a little. He looked better once he started get Kenny Galladay back, and and I that think that. Help? The, the offense is going to be um, a little... I, I just think they're going to be a little bit more in sync. The Jaguars, they're showing who they truly are. So, give me the Lions. What question are you asking me? All right. Noon Central on Fox. Also, the Falcons, hopefully, going to Minnesota to place the Vikings. I know the Falcons were out of their team facility today because they've had some COVID issues this week again. Uh... They have a new coach, Raheem Morris. We covered that Tuesday. The Vikings, one of the best one in four teams ever, according to <laughs> DVOA. I actually do. I do think the Vikings are okay. I don't think they're terrible. No, no. But again, you'd rather be the worst four in one team than the best one in four team. Yeah. It's a lot of ground for the Vikings to make up. But it starts here. They should easily handle the Falcons. I say that because we saw the Bears beat them. The Panthers just beat them. The Falcons have the worst defense in the league but hey nothing's come easy for the Vikings this year so you know I think the Vikings win no Vikings win and cover Vikings win and cover I think the Vikings win I'm gonna pick the Falcons to cover here maybe it's just that boost from having a new new coach in charge um things were stale there they had to make a change Matt Ryan against this Vikings secondary like that matchup a lot of this sort of hinges on whether or not Julio Jones plays, which at this point we don't know. But if they get Julio back, I definitely like the Falcons to at least cover. So I'm going to roll with the Falcons uh, at this point with that one. Uh, where, where's our friend Patrick Finley? 325 on Fox. Great game here. Really looking forward to this, uh, even though we'll be mostly working and not really able to watch it. But hopefully you can. Packers <laughs> at the Bucks. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. It's a pick em. Give me the Packers. They might be up to something like something special here. You know, I said this on like the the last podcast. You know, just the the smiling that Aaron Rodgers is is doing right now it does not should not feel good for any Bears fan out there right now. Um, I don't think Tom Brady played that well. I, the Packers defense isn't the same as Khalil Mack and company, but give me the Packers in a, in, in a pick 'em here on the road. I feel like the Packers are putting together. Like a good twelve and four, thirteen and three season. Yeah, both teams coming off some rest. The Packers had a bye. The Bucks had a mini bye. This is a tough one to call. I mean, based on what we've seen so far, I definitely you know would like the Packers. Something tells me, I don't know. It's just sort of a gut feeling in the NFL. Tom Brady could get those guys to bounce back. The Packers will eventually lose. And the Packers are good. I don't know that they're great. I don't know that they're invincible. And I, I'm just gonna sort of a gut feeling here. I think this is the the Packers' first loss of the season, and the and the Bucks win. But 
basically just like I said, a gut, a gut feeling. We're going to be simple. We're going to play fast. We're going to play hard. We're going to kill it. Okay, this is a great acronym, you guys. Right? Kill it. Keep it likable and learnable. Seven twenty, your Sunday night game on NBC. The Rams look pretty good at the 49ers, who do not look good right now. And the Rams are three-and-a-half-point favorites in Santa Clara for this one. And right now, it's tough to, to go with the 49ers. Yeah, what's going on with Jimmy G, our guy? Rolling medals. Was he benched last week? Yeah, he's benched. They don't seem to have a quarterback. I, I felt like an overreaction, but yeah. Well, that's the pressure that's put on a franchise after losing the the Super Bowl, and yeah, a lot of questions, a lot of injuries, also there, you know, for the for the Forty ers as well. Um, I, I like the Rams in this one, you know, even if they're giving up uh, a few points. Uh, I, I, I Jared Goff is playing much better than he did last year. Their defense still has that superstar in the middle of it. So, give me the Rams uh, covering on the road against the Niners. I agree. I'm not sure there's anybody in the league playing better football than Aaron Donald right now. So, Aaron Donald, you teed him up against um, Daniel Jones two weeks ago, teed him up against Kyle Allen, and then poor Alex Smith. You know, what a great story. Alex Smith coming back. You're going to feed him to Aaron Donald, though. Okay. Great comeback story. Doesn't seem like the wisest move. <laughs> and uh, Aaron Donald had four sacks last week. So whoever's playing quarterback for the 49ers, I like Aaron Donald. I like the Rams, and uh, and that's uh, how I would handle that one. I can't tell you how excited I am uh, to be back on the grass. All right, a weird sort of Monday late afternoon game. Love it, love it, love it. Get, get used to this stuff. Uh, this is a this is your Thursday game that should have been played tonight. So it's going to be Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, that whole Thursday night crew, Fox NFL Network. But Monday at four p.m. before the Monday night game, Chiefs at Bills. Boy, the Bills got kind of exposed against the the Titans. But hey, the Chiefs got exposed against the Raiders. So I still think you got two good teams here. See how they bounce back. This game's in Buffalo where there's not obviously not much of a crowd factor, but the Chiefs are three and a half point road favorites. The Chiefs win outright, but the Bills cover. Okay. That's my analysis. And you're right. Maybe it was just the oddness of playing on a Tuesday night as much as I, as much as I loved it. Maybe Josh Allen just wasn't feeling it. So I want to see a duel between him and Mahomes two of the strongest arms, probably the two strongest arms in the NFL. So I want to see a shootout here. I think Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs would win that shootout, um, but that doesn't mean Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. doesn't mean they can't keep it close. Yeah, the Bills are well coached. They're going to bounce back. And, you know, the Chiefs have some actual issues. I, they're still a really, really good team, but offensive lines banged up. It seems like Patrick Mahomes has been running for his life a lot more. Um, that's a, of course, the Bills' defense hasn't been as great as they're supposed to be either. So that makes you think the Chiefs can put up a lot of points. I think both these teams can put up a lot of points in this game. So, uh, yeah, I'll I'll take the Bills. You're getting the points at home, for, even though it's not worth a ton. But it is three and a half. So I'll take Chiefs to win, Bills to cover. Same. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. All right, we got to roll. 
Got work to do. Matt Nagy's talking soon after the Bears practice. And, uh, again, all the coverage you can get NBCSportsChicago.com for me. The Athletic right here uh, on TheAthletic.com, the great athletic app. You should be subscribed. TheAthletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you do that. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Uh, and please rate and review the podcast. Appreciate you doing that. We'll be back Sunday, post game. Bears, will they be 5-1? and one? They should be. We'll talk to you after the game. See ya. Hey, Matt, how you doing? Um, Good, Adam.